0: Welcome, everyone, to another DevCast. I'm one of your hosts, Adam D'Angelo, and I'm joined by my co-host, John Janik. How are you, Yeah, we're,
1: we're good. We're back again for another great DevCast.
0: Yeah, we brought back uh onto the show today, Narup, um, our director of biometric technology. Narup, you may not know this, but previously, your biometric DevCast was the highest, uh, most viewed DevCast that we had. So welcome back to the show.
2: Well, wow. that's a high bar. Thank you very much. We'll try to
1: do a repeat here. No pressure, Naroop.
0: (laughs) Well, we like to keep things pretty relevant to the now. And obviously, now that we're all working from home, the government is doing a lot to respond to how they are responding to COVID outbreaks and monitoring that solution. And also, even on the federal law enforcement side, there are definitely changes going on in biometric technology. What's what's new, Naroop? What's going on in the news right now that is biometric related that we should be aware of? Well, We've been seeing
2: some, uh, increased interest in, uh, in contactless or touchless fingerprint technologies. Uh, these aren't new. They've been around probably seven or eight years, more so researched lately by NIST in the past two or three years. And they certainly have a a number of of unique advantages in that, you know, especially where we're trying to limit the amount of touching and and transmission of infectious diseases, they have that appeal of, of being able to capture fingerprints without actually physically touching anything. They do have a number of concerns or drawbacks as well, and so I think really the... The the coronavirus kind of environment has has respawned to some of those interests and and those discussions.
1: Yeah, so Narup, when you when you talk about contactless biometrics, right? Maybe you can and, and the fact that you said NIST, the National Institute of Standards and Technology, right? So they're the big governing organization in the U.S. government that looks at how do we talk about these standards and especially where it comes down to technology. Can you walk us through a little bit of like what's the state of play of the technology? Right now, and how is NIST involved? Because I think, like, it's very interesting, right? Because right now, contactless, there's this kind of – it's become a bit of a meme, right? But people are like, how are we going to run a society until the vaccine is done where – Distance is critical.
2: I think a good place to start is kind of talk about the traditional fingerprint capture technologies and, and how it's kind of different. So, so when you, um, for a lot of border security operations or even just physical security access, the, the way that the fingerprint is captured is, is by an impression. And that's done either using an optical device where a glass prism has a, a light illuminating within the prism, and then by physical contact of your finger against the glass, it changes the refractive properties. It's called frustrated total internal reflection, and and that's one way that basically the the friction ridges of your fingers are are kind of emphasized and and captured in an image. The other the other main technology is capacitive fingerprint scanners that use. Um, uh, light emitting sensitivity so basically where, wherever your friction ridges are in contact with the surface there's uh basically the technology allows it to illuminate those those contact points by virtue of the fact that you have some electrical conductivity uh inherent to your body so both of those require you to press your finger against against a a flat surface and they and they Result in sort of a elastic deformation of your finger and kind of spreads out what your finger is really a three dimensional shape and, and the, and your fingerprint ridges are wrapped around that three dimensional shape. And when you take that impression, you're really kind of flattening it out and you're, you're putting it all in an even plane. And that's how even before digital fingerprint capture technology worked, you were, you, you know, you'd roll your fingers in some ink and you'd have a flat card. And you'd, uh, you know, roll your finger across that card. So, again, you're taking something that's three-dimensional and you're, and you're making it two-dimensional. And all of the uh, the majority, the vast majority of the industry, as far as the automated matching of fingerprints, is built around those impressions that are taken on a flat plane. When you – so uh, fundamentally, the way probably 90% of the, the contactless fingerprint scanners work is you're basically passing your finger over a camera. And it's either taking a, a high-speed video or or an image capture of your finger, and because you're you're kind of moving your hand through there, and it's kind of capturing it, um, you'll notice a lot of these devices have shrouds on them so that they can kind of control the amount of light. Because when you when you have a fast-moving image, you really need to kind of uh, have have a lot of uh, light and it focused on the subject so that you can have a faster shutter speed to capture that image without any blur. So when you capture the image of your finger as opposed to it being pressed flat against a surface, you're capturing a three, di- like you're, you're taking a three dimensional entity and you're taking a picture of it in two dimensions. And then you have to do a little bit of interpolation to kind of like un, uncurve the finger to flatten it. So that's where a lot of the concern comes, right? Cause, cause that image of your finger is going to be is, is a curved image. And then now everything in the industry is built around this concept of matching images that are flattened. So that's where it gets a little bit tricky to, to know when you're, when you're kind of modifying an image to flatten it out, you're, you're kind of changing it and you're changing the underlying kind of assumptions of, of how some of the, the, but the minutiae is extracted and the, and the relationships, the spatial relationships between um, the different features. The other issue that you kind of encounter with, uh, with contactless fingerprints is because it's an image, you may have heard of, uh, if you Google it, you'll, you'll see lots of examples of it, but the, the mountain versus valley illusion. So sometimes you'll see like a picture of a map and depending on how the shadows and the light falls, it's very difficult to tell if, if what you're looking at is the ridge of a mountain or, or it's the, the shadow of a valley and when same thing with that image of that finger is you get what's um kind of an inverse polarization of the features where you're not sure if like you know like before on a flat capture the the friction ridges on your fingers would be usually typically are are the dark or the the closer to to dark um on an 8 bit grayscale the uh the ridges would be the darker and then the valleys would be the lighter um indicating where the contact was happening That can sometimes get inverted in, in some of these, uh, these capture devices. So the goal is that, you know, you have this, there's a lot of systems that already exist that have built on this, these flat impression based captures. And, and if you can't take that contactless fingerprint capture and then match it against old legacy captures that were done in the flat way without some level of, uh, of certainty, then it's really not Kind of terribly valuable to you. Um, it's really at that point it becomes a little no different than, you know, than an iris capture, and, and that's one of the the reasons that we kind of keep coming back to fingerprints. Is there's these existing systems that that have a lot of fingerprints in there from a legacy standpoint.
0: So that's interesting. So the big challenge is then being able to use this legacy library of collected fingerprints while using this new technology and making sure that they actually fit together correctly, right? Exactly, yeah. And so a lot of a lot
2: of the the guidelines coming out of NIST seem to indicate that hey, for for doing like a verification where you're not searching gallery, it looks like, you know, you could you could try to use it in that mechanism where a verification is I have a previous capture done using a, a similar capture technology and then I'm, I'm just confirming that this person is the same person that i encountered before uh using some some other correlation for instance if uh if i went through an airport one time and i had my passport and the first time i came through i got my my fingerprint captured and it was correlated with my my passport id and this time i'm presenting the same passport and it's like okay we just want to make sure that it's still you and we'll capture your fingerprint and we'll just compare it against just that one fingerprint that you previously submitted as opposed to saying, I don't know who this person is. Search a hundred million sets of fingerprints and tell me which person this is.
1: So in, in that case, Narupa, it becomes like a one to one match versus a, a one to many, right? You're just trying to validate the information you've already got. You know, it's, it's interesting because it's, I hear you talking a lot about data quality and data management. You've got this. Huge corpus that you want to make the most use of. And I wonder how, you know, and you talked a little bit about the irises, different biometric identifiers. I'm kind of curious within the, the, the contactless captures that you're seeing, you know, a few years ago, I ran across a company that was doing, um, ultrasound based captures and it was really interesting technology. It sounds like most of this is is visible light capture. Are you seeing like different kinds of technology being brought to the table to try and do this? Is there is there any kind of uh, millimeter millimeter wave kind of or I guess I don't know what the the different sensor technologies aren't are escaping me at the moment. But are you looking at and seeing some different technologies kind of being put on the table as ways to capture? these prints and is there an advantage to having a, a three-dimensional representation, which it sounds like you're going to get out a lot of these contactless systems.
2: That's a, that's a great question. So the, the other main capture technology that's kind of really come to light with, uh, with the smartphones is, as you mentioned, the, the ultrasonic and that's like, so I think, I believe the latest Samsung smartphone has it built in and I'm not sure but it's possible the iPhone uses similar technology and that's the ultrasound base where, where you're still pressing your finger against a, a surface or a platen. And then it's kind of using acoustic, like uh, high frequency acoustic information to kind of map out the friction ridges. I haven't seen, I'm, I'm not aware of that technology being applied to irises, but it's possible that it, that it is. And it's something definitely to, to kind of look into more the thing with the the ultrasound is that you're still if you're if you're kind of concerned about touching things you're still required to kind of touch a, a sensor for that I'm not aware of a touchless
1: ultrasound capture device cool and is there is there an advantage to having a three-dimensional representation it sounds like a lot of these contactless captures do kind of give you an idea of what it would look like and in- three dimensions right so is there is there any advantage to that
2: you know it's hard to say uh it really kind of depends so there was an interesting study done um out of the university of hong kong where everything i've seen from the NIST side is more about how can we take the contactless captures and and kind of make them comparable or transform them or, or do whatever is necessary to make them so that you can match them against the existing flat captures. The University of Hong Kong study was basically how can we take the flat captures and then kind of make them more like the the like the three-dimensional capture uh, or the three-dimensional features that are captured during a a contactless fingerprint capture. And I think it really comes down to you want to make it as interoperable as possible. So whichever one has the better interoperability. And then secondly, from a concept of, of latent fingerprints, latent fingerprints, meaning fingerprints that are left behind at crime scenes because you touch something. Um, most surfaces that you're leaving a fingerprint on are going to be flat. So you're end up, you end up with these kind of fragments of, of flat sort of captures or even if the surface that you're that you're um, leaving the fingerprint on isn't flat, you're essentially taking that and kind of rolling it across that surface. And so it's easier to kind of peel that that impression off of a curved surface. And what you get out of it is a flat planar capture again.
1: Oh, interesting. So at the end of the day, it becomes a question of utility, where the most uses of a biometric fingerprint are going to have use cases that include matching against... Solid flat surface impressions, right? So that's, that's interesting. Yeah. And
2: from the contactless standpoint, there, there's a couple approaches that, uh, that have been taken. There's the, there's the approach where, where they try to kind of on like correct for the, the curvature. It's almost like if you're looking at a can of Coke and you're looking at it head on and it says Coca Cola, the, the C in cola is going to be big. Whereas like the C in Coke, which is towards the edge of the can is kind of going to look a little bit compressed because it's harder to kind of visually tell the, tell distances in that kind of uh, dimension. One of the finger, uh, the contactless or touchless fingerprint technology systems basically tries to illuminate from multiple sources of light and then take multiple pictures and then stitch them together kind of like if you if you remember or if you if you ever use the feature on your cell phone where you kind of you know stand in one place and you turn around in a circle and you end up stitching those pictures together to become a flat picture so so there's definitely some really interesting and unique and innovative uh, approaches taken and i think the community is mostly kind of just being cautious and in understanding how well all of that works together before kind of implementing it on larger scale systems.
1: Oh, interesting. Do, do you think, so speaking of interoperability, right, there's a whole kind of discussion right now and the international standards organization came out with some new guidance recently as well, right? So you've got this confluence of new tech coming to the table, bringing new ideas, sometimes not performing super well, right? There's the, there's the apocryphal story of the iPhone, uh, fingerprint sensor, right? And, and, uh, and iPhone face, uh, recognition and that sort of thing. But also, you know, that there's, there's this need for the government to be able to have reliable biometric technology. So where, where do you think things are going, especially over the next? So there's this critical pressure to put contactless systems in place. Where do you think things are going over the next, say, 12 months? We, we know. The novel coronavirus is going to be a part of our society for the near future while we figure out vaccines and all these other things. So how do you think technology is going to respond to get us to where we need to be with contactless biometrics?
2: So first, I think I think um, and this is something that's been ongoing with uh, with the various uh research and academic firms and, and at NIST and I think it hopefully will get accelerated a little bit and, and more emphasis put on it. But I, I think we, we don't really know what we don't know to some degree in that some of the, the tests and, and the evaluations that have been done I've seen I've seen some where there were eighteen hundred subjects in in the study, others where they were evaluating kind of user Interface aspects of it, and it was about sixty people. So, so these are relatively small sample sizes, and I think we need to to have some of these larger tests with with you know the Office of Biometric Identity Management or the FBI to kind of see how when doing the one to many matching, um, you know how how that what, what those error rates are to to, to try to quantify them. And then, um, understand if they're, if they're within the, like a tolerable, tolerable range and also decide is there some uh, use cases for which it's better. Certainly whenever you're dealing with law enforcement, they're always interested in, in getting a full 10 print capture and a full rolled capture because without the rolled capture, you can't really do latent fingerprint matching, um, against crime scenes. So I don't think that the touchless and until unless we see some really great advancements and proof of those advancements to be able to to have this interoperability with the existing systems i don't see it kind of being more than than uh i don't see it being used for enrollment and when i say enrollment i'm saying if you know uh if you encounter a person and then you kind of like enroll them into a biometric system once they're kind of enrolled there you could keep those uh kind of representative captures of the fingerprints and then you don't need necessarily need to continue to keep capturing them over and over again um you just need to verify that the person is uh matches against that enrollment so it sounds like you know more testing and more like deeper level testing with a large set of population size as well as kind of an adjustment in sort of the policy or you know what what because right now even with uh with FBI, with certain transaction types, they don't allow you to submit flat captors. Uh, depending on the, tra- the type of transaction, they, you have to submit a rolled, and, and the only way to get a rolled is with a contact-based captor system.
1: Interesting. So more more to come, right? Lots of, lots of work to be done in the field. Sounds like fingerprints aren't going away anytime soon.
2: Nope. Yep. Work to come and, and, uh, and fingerprints won't be going away. Uh, until, until you start leaving your iris behind, uh, or your face behind, fingerprints are still going to be very important in the biometric world.
0: Well, I think that's a great place to leave it, Narup. Thanks for kind of giving us the, the update. I think that was a pretty interesting conversation about the future of f- fingerprints and, and the past of fingerprints as well. Uh, so thanks again for joining us.
2: Absolutely. Thanks for having me. See you uh, next time so- on Devcast.